You're listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little mudsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, hey, baby. Hellers the king. Oh. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi there and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. Well, whoever you are out there in the wide world, I want to thank you so much for lending me your ears. I really do appreciate it. Um, now, today I had the good fortune of speaking with none other than Sean Doherty. Now, Sean has been on the podcast once before. That was in 2019, just before we went into a lockdown. Um, yeah, so a lot of water under the bridge. That was about four years ago. Um, for those of you that don't know, Sean is the co um, He's the co. Well, he's now now the co-owner of Surfing World Magazine, which is now Australia's longest running surfing mag, which is which is uh, no small feat. He's also the head of brand engagement at Patagonia. He's a chairperson at Surf Rider Foundation Australia. Um, I mean, he explains a few more things that he does as well in there, but really, I mean, he's, he's got a full cup. He's got a full cup. Uh, and and Sean is, is a passionate human being who does a lot of research. He's a very good journalist, I, I think. Uh, I feel um, honoured that he'd come and have a uh, sit down in front of me and have a chat. So thank you, Sean. I really appreciate it. Now we jump into some, uh, you know, things that worry me, things that keep me up, things that come up in conversation with friends of mine that, you know, you don't have these conversations all the time, but Sean's definitely, this is his zone. So I really, uh, really went in there and had a look around and um, we explored a few things and a few of th- few baits out and see if he'd grab and he, he, he did great. So Sean, thanks so much for indulging me on a, on a bunch of different topics and listening to my harebrain, um, you know, ideas around the same thing, you know, cause fucking who knows it's, we are so saturated these days. I don't know what to believe anymore, you know? I was in nature last night and I watch a good sunset. That's pretty good. But, you know, I wake up and I watch the YouTubes and check the news and enjoy that over a coffee. And at the end, I'm fucking confused. You know, I like look at YouTube now and I used to just always be able to find something good to watch. And now I'm just like, fuck, it's just so saturated. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so I haven't spoken to Sean since before. 2019, before COVID. Um, now, I, I read this the other day. I thought this was great. This is Kelly Slater. Uh, coronavirus, coronavirus is like a party you don't want to talk about because it was too big and we're all still hung over. I think that's about sums it up, you know, like this thing that we went through. Fuck, what was that? Some people loved it. Some people fucking hated it, you know. Um, so there. Take from that what you will. Sean, thanks for coming over. I hope you enjoy our chat. Now, a small little antidote. Uh, dog's now barking at me. Um, this is a public news radio announcement. Wednesday night, the 27th of September, 2023. The Jan Juck Jets are going to be fucking rocking the Torquay Hotel. Eight, uh, eight to late is what it says. The Jan Juck Jets. This will be big, people. This will be big. Get your tickets. Get down to the Torquay Pub and check out a bit of history in the making or old history in the new history making. It's going to be fucking sick. Get down there. Janjuk Jets, Wednesday night. Boom. Public announcement over. Just back up from the border. This is a little funny little uh, 
little story, a little ditty. So, my friend, you, who, if you're on Gifted a Gift, I have, and I know most of you have as well. It's a thing. You get given a shit present, you put it in the cupboard, and you give pass it on, pay it forward, whatever. It's a great thing to do. Um, beyond gifting. So, a friend of mine's mum, she got given some pillowcases that said, kiss me. Kiss me goodnight or something. And she sort of, I think she opened it, had a quick look at it and was like, oh, great, you know, thanks, put it in the cupboard, on gifting. And then she went to this, um, you know, a friend of hers, child's birthday party. I don't know how old they were, must have been in their teens or something, but thought it was pretty funny to give them this um, pillows that said, kiss me goodnight. And so anyway, on gifted. And then gets a phone call pretty hot under the collar from one of the the, the, the parents of the kid that the party her friend. Like, what have you given my child? And she's like, it's just some pillow slips. I said, kiss me goodnight. It's funny. And she's like, no, you moron. They were glow in the dark. And they in the, when you turn the lights off, they said, fuck me goodnight. <laughs> I nearly spat my coffee out when I heard it and I enjoy that and I enjoy anything that gives me a giggle these days if it brings a smile to my face that's what I'm looking for because um, you know you gotta laugh you gotta see the the, the, the bright side because it feels like we're going to fucking hell in a handbasket as they say um, so find the humour find the humour stick to the ones you love and make you laugh okay I'll see you on the other side I hope you enjoy our chat Adios. It's interesting. Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total farfarama. The last time we talked was December 2019. Shit, it was that long ago, was it? Four years, yeah, roughly, right. nearly. I was trying to think, trying to actually think of that today, when the last time we did the, the last show. Yeah. And that was, what, a month... Before I went into real paranoia. Mm. Oh, but we all did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, was, I went back and I looked at it and I was like, holy shit, that's four years. It doesn't actually feel like four years. Mm. And like so much has changed, yet nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like it's, there's a really warped sense of time about the, that whole period with the COVID period, obviously in the middle of that, but even even exiting COVID and the acceleration of everything as well so it slowed felt like it slowed for ages but then even even once it slowed and stopped and and it basically stopped um for a while there then even within that it was going quicker too within that period yeah because you had you know you had all your reference points were the same and you're surfing the same waves because you couldn't go anywhere you were and you lost all track of time and it's like all your seasonal stuff disappeared because you'd usually go to Indo or Hawaii or something, all that disappeared. So you lost all those reference points and just like, fuck, what a weird time, huh? How did you fare mentally? Oh, pretty good. Oh, fuck, man, I loved it. It was like <laughs> I'm counting down the days to the next pandemic. It was... I, well, some would say, don't hold your breath. Yeah, they reckon no, there's another one coming. Out, mate. Careful what you wish for. Yeah. Um, no, but I reckon because I'd done so much work and so much travel and I'd been living up north as well for a bunch of years and then I'd just moved back before COVID down here again. So I'd been going back and forwards a lot and a lot of lot of other travel and a lot of work travel and a lot of everything and it was burning pretty hot. So, fuck, man, it was great. It was just yeah. suddenly it was like didn't have anywhere to be. Yeah. Like it couldn't. Yeah, we were lucky that we could still surf, obviously, 
Like we were, mate, we were just living the dream, really, for those first couple of months. Did you have? Do you remember any... how good the surf was? Yeah, too? yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Oh, dude. Um, yeah, and just yeah, it was. But no, but everyone was there. I remember it was sort of small and clean for a really long time. Yeah, and it was really good. But because it was, it was really like, crowded. When, yeah, when did it lock, locked down? It was March or April, twenty twenty. Yeah, somewhere there. Somewhere around then. So we had that autumn, and that autumn was sick. It was yeah, that's so right. good. And then the winter was pretty good too. But then the back end of went, it went. That was when the. That's uh, when the shit went sideways yeah. a bit because till now, or yeah, this pretty much till now. Like the back end of winter twenty twenty, all the way through to this autumn, this winter. So whatever it was, two and a half years of, of pretty horrendous. Yeah, surf. This winter though has been far out, man. I haven't been anywhere this winter, and I haven't mm. felt like going anywhere. No, nah, me either. I haven't gone anywhere. Um, yeah, fuck, man. What a what a blessing that's been. It's been. I, you know, I something funny happened the other day because I, I keep all my boards outside. Um, they're undercover, but they're outside. And I um, and I went outside to get my board, and I picked up my short board, which I'd ridden. I reckon was the only board I'd ridden for eighteen months up till this winter. I'd and I looked at it. It had a fucking like it had its like. Three or four mils of dust over yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. hadn't moved in that long, and and all the other boards are like were all like all the step ups were, um, were like you know they were fresh as daisies. But the, I hadn't ridden the short board, the five eleven that I ride that I rode all the time, the whole time for the two years, for the two, two years, years yeah. and it hadn't been touched in in fuck knows how long. Mm. Yeah, so good. It's so good, man. Everyone, it's and it's such it gives you such a good appreciation of being here. To the like the culture of being here, and you, and you get to see this place, um, with a, with a different perspective, and you, you get to see what's unique as well when you get those bigger days, and you know because it's very much it's a big it's a big board place, mm. you know they're big board waves, um, the dude there's, there's, the dudes are all used to riding big boards, you get laughed at if you paddle out on anything too small, um, you know it's. It is fairly unique in that way. Oh, amazing. And you can always see, like, uh, when you're in the car park and who's running down with what board and if you've seen them before and it's big and you're like, don't be going around the button, buddy. I know. (laughs) Well, you know, you you can spot those guys pretty pretty easily. Um, But it was funny. Like, we just sent Surfing World to print. There's there's a great story from that Wednesday Arvo a couple of weeks back when when it jumped up really quick. Yeah, that way it went from. I remember that everyone came in at lunchtime disgruntled. I surfed from two to four, and I reckon it went from three to six feet, and then from four to dark, it went to ten. It went, yeah, it went Mongo. Yeah, yeah. but now the best, the best, the person I spoke to for that story, I spoke to Willis Drummer for it, yeah, because he got he got the the big one. But I spoke to Boots. At the man, speaking of people with surfboards, like never fucking goes to the beach without a twenty of them. Yeah, and, <laughs> and they're always and, new. And they're always brand new. And he's like, yeah. and he's check always, this one out. He's always pulling them out and checking them out in the car park. But he, he told me the story. He he surfed at lunch on a six o, and and had a pretty shitty surf. It was only like three foot at lunchtime on the Wednesday, and then went back and worked and kind of time got away a bit and and he knew it was coming up, but. Fuck, no one expected it was going to come up like it did. And then he didn't take any other boards. He had only had the 6.0 that was in the car and then got there and realised and had to paddle out and, and surf on it. And 
And I've there's got, guys paddling out on like fucking eight O's yeah, and seven yeah, sixes yeah. and and boots of all people who's always got yeah, got, got the, the right board. Had it was he was undergunned by about a foot and a half. Oh man, I, I just couldn't have had enough volume that afternoon. I could not like I took a photo. I've got some video footage for that night, and because you you can't see the people. Yeah. So it just looks like it's four to six foot. Yeah. But if you like punch in and then you look at the, you can see the people paddling. You're like, holy shit! Sucking solid. Yeah. 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 Awesome. But yeah, man. There's but there's been lots of those. You know, lots of those kind of swells and it's just been the lack of weather too. You know, you haven't had no. gone through winter. It's been such a mild winter that you've just had. It's kind of like been autumn weather in winter, basically. So you've had just. Yeah, you're kind of right. Yeah. Heaps of northwest. Yeah, but not like not cold. The water hasn't been that cold uh, either. Yeah, it um, didn't it didn't go below twelve. No, no. And um, like and, I, I've been in three two all winter. Have I you really? Have not even bothered getting the four three on. Oh wow. Yeah, just <laughs> surfing shorter sessions sometimes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But just and the three two I've got pretty good, and it just feels. And I, I got crook at the start of winter too, so I've had to. Being, I didn't want to put a heavy wetsuit back on after on the yeah. after being sick, yeah. um, because I just I wanted just to keep it easy on my body. So I'd done the three two the other day, and I thought I was going to be in for a shock, and I was just like, I, I feel like I could have done this ages ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of the cold you feel here is often the weather too. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. If yeah you've got really that yeah. wind's blowing, it'll blow through you. Yeah. Um, where you haven't had that, it's been pretty still. Like that Wednesday Arvo, man, it was just glass almost. Um, and just been heaps of those glassy Arvos. And, um, the, so in, the in-between surfs have been the fun ones for me too. Yeah. Like less telegraphed. Yep. And, and there's been heaps of them. Yeah, heaps. And it's and it's funny how a, a lot of the forecasts have been kind of haven't really got near it. You know, the forecasts have haven't been a great indicator of what you've actually ended up with. So there's been heaps of little misto mm. mornings and... Quite and often undercooking it on the swell size too. Yep, yep, totally. They've pulled back a lot of the forecast numbers but never had it, you know. Um, but there's been a lot of, you know, day afters as well. Because like the day after, the, the Thursday after the Wednesday was was actually probably almost better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they surfed that night. And yeah. even the Friday was good. I surfed that too. Um, but yeah, a lot of the tails in the swell have been really good. I've found and so, hung around and hung around for longer than yeah. they've been forecast. So, so tell me, you've just come from Patagonia? Yes, literally just from work right yeah. now. Just smoke bombed out the door. Were you back in 2019? Were you working for Patagonia then? Yep. yep. Oh, you were. I've been there a, a, quite a while. Um, probably eight years all up. Holy like, but I started shit. like on a started like on a day a week. Kind of yeah okay um, program and then because at that stage like it only like I think it's only been uh, twenty ten it was opened here in Australia um, yeah so it was and it was up in Beach Road next to Brownies Mechanics in this pokey little old office um, oh was that and, um, uh, was that the old Quicksilver rep um, it could have been it's it's a was that Pots, it, where Potsy had the rep agency in there? It might have been. Yeah, it's a it's a printer's now, I think. Um, but it was just a little, tiny little joint oh, upstairs. Oh, okay. Because um, wasn't Z, uh, um, Rado's brother, what was his company's called again? Oh, um, fuck. 
name escapes me. It's just there. It's next to the subway. Oh, Gander. Gander. Yeah. Was, get, did Gander start up in there somewhere? Maybe. I'm trying to think back what else was there because, mate, town is so fucking different. Like, this was 2010. or, or oh, Sorry, I started there 2014, I think, 2013, 14. But town, like, town's radically different since then. <laughs> it's you know? radically different every day. Fuck, like, yeah. how long has this thing been going out here, this intersection? Oh, the intersection, I know. Yeah. So, finally, that's... That's moving. That'll be one of those things that you look. That'll change the whole feel of the town. I think once that you plonk that in the, you know, you're so used to seeing that as like a open field just with plovers on it. And is that going to be and, traffic lights? Uh, maybe. Don't probably know. you'd imagine so. And the nursing home on that corner. Nursing home in that corner. Ugh, what a mess. And then uh, monstrosity on this corner. Monstrosity on this corner here. Yeah, the Darien Road corner. Yeah, there's plenty going on. I get so. a little, uh, you know, start to breathe a little bit quick. Well, mate, seeing you're in one of the classic old surviving <laughs> old Torquay joints, it's such a rad joint. Someone said to me they were in here, they're like, this joint should be heritage listed. Totally, mate. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't think there's anything heritage listed in Torquay, mate. It's no. just There's just a... Knock it down. And build it to the boundary, yeah. duplex to the boundary with a big... Melbourne kind of, you know. Totally. Melbourne Legoland Palace. So, digress. You've been there since 2014. Yep. And they were here in 2010. And so what capacity were you, were you in the... Uh, it was a... I don't know, but job title just kept changing because it was... But it basically works within between Enviro, Surf Team, um, you know, a lot of the big Enviro campaign stuff, some of the marketing stuff. But uh, so it's changed shape a lot. Um, but it's primarily around the surf team and around the Enviro campaigns. This still sounds pretty loose, and I like it because it feels yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, you know, and I, I run the, the editorial for them at the moment, which is the main part of what I do, but it's like it's because I've got contacts in surf and all of that that, you know, it moves around a little bit. Yeah, um, so like in a filmmaking capacity, you'd be like a producer. Well, yeah, well, I produced a, a few things for them, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so... You get was, shit done. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, that's we've done a few films there. Done actually quite a few. Think about it. Um, Is Patagonia linked to the that the film, The Road to Patagonia, that new film that's coming? No, out? no, that's not. That's that's Maddie Hannon, Hannon's film. Um, so that's nothing to do with us. Uh, but and I haven't seen it, but I, I know Maddie really well. Apparently, it's fucking awesome. Um, I know he's had a, had screenings up in Byron when he premiered it, um, but I haven't still haven't seen it as yet. I'm hanging to see it. Yeah, no, apparently it's all time, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's and I've talked to him a lot about it, and yeah, it's a big odyssey. You know, he travels all the way down the from you know North America all the way down, and motorbikes and horses and whatever, and um, yeah, and it looks like it's shot like on. It might be just the way it's it. Um, hmm edited but it looks like it's shot in, in 16 mil yeah, or something yeah. it's like it's got an old feel to it with the little bits that i've seen which considering he's you know he was kept lugging all that stuff around too you know um but yeah no apparently i think he's screenings doing screenings in february or something in melbourne he's doing a summer run yeah okay so um yeah he's actually just finished a, a film for us at surf rider actually oh, really? so yeah Hold on, I don't understand how you keep up with shit. So hey. you're let's stop. You've got yeah. Patagonia, yeah, Surf Rider, yeah, Surfing World, yeah, Father, uh, 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. Husband, partner. Partner, yep. Um, what else you got in the cook in there? Uh, well, apparently I go surfing oh, occasionally surfing. in between. Yeah, yeah. All of that, which is becoming increasingly difficult. Um, uh, I work, work for Surfline as well. I write for... Yep, Surfline. So I've been with... Because they were Coastal Watch originally, um, and I was with them for years. And then, yeah, they became... Coastal Watch became Surfline. And so I worked with Nick, Carol there, um, writing. So... Um, How often do you talk to Nick Carroll? Yeah, often, all the time. Yep. Wow, man, he's, so, he's like he's been on the journalistic side of surfing for as long as I can remember. Yep. He's well, grew up being, when I was a young guy and got into the game. Obviously, he was like God. Y- yeah. You know, um, you know, the few of those old, really iconic guys, you know, like Nick and Phil Jarrett, and they like they were the guys I looked up to initially when I started doing all that. So, and, but Nick's always been on the other side of the fence because he's always worked we worked in america for ages with surfing i work with surfer in america he worked for surfing life here in australia i work for tracks and then surfing world and so we've always been on other sides of the fence so yeah it's unreal so um you know to finally be able to do some stuff with him and and he's he's taken over the editorial at, at surfline and surfline globally so yeah which he's he's kind of you know having a bit of a late renaissance with yeah because you know, Nixon he's six like still probably fitter now than he was when he was yeah you know, when he was younger he's a bit probably a bit less intense what's he do <laughs> what's he do for training paddles <laughs> like stand up uh, well he's he he was uh, involved with the Newport Surf Club Surf Lifesaving Club in Sydney yeah but he trains their junior team as well yeah who they've got this gun junior team um that have won all heaps of aussie stuff um but he's the whip chief whip cracker of that and so he's obviously to keep up with them he's he does a lot of water time too so so um, this dog's starting to drive me shut up i'll give it one more go and i'll see if she can come in chuck the stick oh my god um yeah so okay so then um all right hold on i'm just gonna have to let her in throw the stick <laughs> uh, okay, so that's what keeps him young and vibrant. Yeah. Yep. Water time. Yeah. So. Um, now, you how do you how do you schedule everything? Like, I'm looking at this and I, my head hurts. Yeah, yeah. If I get if I get snowed in, mm. I find it really hard to stay. Uh, I don't feel creative anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's I do suffer from that suffocation. Just juggling so much stuff, um, like obviously my Patagonia gigs, my full time gig, yep. so that's the bread and butter. Um, so that's the bulk of my time, um, and everything else fits in between the cracks, basically. <laughs> so luckily the mags quarterly, so yeah, there's obviously a lot of work involved with that. But you can do that, you know. I I do. I like to get up, like often when I've got writing to do, I'll get up at four in the morning to four. do that. Yep. Do you comfortably function at four? Easy, man. Best best hours of the day. They're, they're kind of your hours. So, because the phone doesn't ring, no one's hassling you, no one's up. So you get you get you get two, at least two good hours. Yeah. Where you can you can just focus. So do you roll out of bed straight in front of the computer? Pretty much. Yep. Go. Yeah, and I can I can get going straight away. Um, pretty easy. Coffee like half an hour later. And then you're really going, and 
and then you're running against the clock because you know that you, yeah, you know yeah, they're yeah. all going to get up pretty soon. Yeah. So, um, but that's tend to get your all the creative stuff happens better around then. Is it funny when I've got to do um, edits lately? I've been noticing that I. If I roll out of bed, I'm not 4 a.m. though. Mm. But those first two hours with a coffee yeah. is the most productive. Oh, totally. Yep. Front half of my day is always, always the best. It's, it kind of runs downhill after that. What time um, do you go to bed then? Uh, nine. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. That's, that's my fall down. I yeah, the night out. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm kind of I'm generally pretty knackered by that point. Um, and then yeah, you go up at four and start again. Like that's when I got stuff on. I got deadlines and and stuff to hit. Um, Do you alarm four o'clock or just wake up? Uh, my body's pretty good. If I know I've got to get up at four, like I'll I'll oh. often pick the phone up at like three fifty-seven. I find this stuff just, quite fascinating. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. No, it's but like your body, your, your the circadian rhythms in your body and stuff gets so tuned to to what's going on. Yeah. And like often I'll. I'll sit there. I'll be. I'll be awake, like for ten minutes, and then I'll just pick the. I'll just check the phone, and then it's like three fifty-seven. Yeah, yeah. It's going, wild. Fuck, it's going like there it is. You know, it, your body knows. Yeah. Like, um, your your body really gets conditioned to, to to what you want it to do. Um, like I've had that before when when I did. I worked at Tracks for ten years, so you had deadlines. Deadline was always in the middle of the month, monthly deadline. It's always the fifteenth, sixteenth of the month. And then after 10 years of that, I left. And the first month after that, on the 15th and 16th, just unexplainably, your body was, was so fucking tweaky and body was like really on edge. And it's like fucking just like, you know, like it feels like you'd, you've got a million things to do and you're just jumpy. And, and you didn't. And it didn't because yeah. there was no mag there to go. But my body was still like yeah, kicking yeah. in going right oh, we, we're going here yeah, yeah. Let's, do, let's do this um let's do the dance and there was no mag so it's just like and it took a couple of months for that to stop but it's yeah your body tunes itself to what you know what you need it to to get done so you said surfing well is quarterly quarterly yeah yep um how's it going did you, did you have that though then did you no no we picked that up um 2020, so I was in was it while well, lockdown was on, um, but I was working with Surfing World at that point still. Yeah. So I was I was like a because um, I'd been working with them for probably ten years while Blakey was editor, and so I was a paid yeah you know, I was paid by issue. I was a paid freelancer, just um, journalist, just writing, yeah. yeah, just writing. And that was they were golden years. They were unreal because um, you know Blakey was such a good editor, world's most enthusiastic man, and very easy to work with. Um, not very organised, but a lot of fucking fun, and they were great mags, and and so and so then he left, and we Danny Johnson took over for a few. Danny's at Stab now, um, and and then COVID hit. Danny Danny went off to Stab, um, and the mag was floating there, and I did one issue. Um, it was it's owned was owned by a guy called Kim Sundell, who'd owned it for mo- most of that time. Um, Kim was an investor, like fucking legend, um, larger than life character. But he was, he had, yeah, had had a bit of money. He was so he was looking to get out of everything and just and just live an easier life. And so he had all these mags and titles, and and no one wanted to buy Surfing World at that point. And as a as a mag or a business, uh, it was a publishing business. Like he had Coastal Watch as well. Yeah, and he had. 
there was a dirt bike mag, a mountain bike mag, I think. It was had a bunch of a snow mag um, transfer. It had a bunch of had these a, titles. Yeah. Um, they're all up at Avalon in Sydney. And, and, and so he was out of the game and just wanted to go and live up in Crescent Head and, and do what he does. Um, so he was, wanted to get, offload them all. And, what does he do? Uh, nothing now. Um, uh, shoots feral foxes, get on his property and try to eat, eat his chickens, um, <laughs> travels around. Um, lives good. He still actually owns a, ch- a chunk of it. Yeah. So, yeah, he's still, um, he's still in there. But we, he, he's a silent investor, yeah, uh, you'd okay. say, now. Um, but anyway, it came to the point where he, he wanted to get rid of it. And Kim's a bit like me. He gets up early. On a, it was probably mid-2020. My phone rang at 3.30 in the morning. It was Kim. He's on a burner. Um, and he's going, oh, mate, this mag is like, I fucking don't want to publish another one. It's like costing me a fortune. Um, like there was no clear exit for it, where it was going to go or whatever. And so, and I was three thirty. So I'm trying to take this call. So I ended up walking across, getting out of the house. I walked across the oval to because I live across the road from the um, from the cricket oval in Jack, and just started walking around there. And we're talking about it, and and I'm just going, "Fuck, man, we like can't let this thing die." Because it, you know, it was, and I'm going, well, "What do we do?" And he said, "Well, you know, do you want it?" And I said, "Well, fuck, I, I got all this other stuff on, but I could probably at that stage in the middle of COVID." Like everything, it's stopped. Like the Patagonia, I was still employed, luckily. With, um, and but that and that, but the workload would had changed because of what we were doing. It, you know, no one knew what the fuck they were doing at that point. And and so I said, right, well, let's let's take it on. Well, I'll take it on and and run it and and transfer the ownership over. And then I got a call not long after from John Frank, who who the photographer who's and filmmaker, and he's been he'd been with Surfing World way longer than I had, and he he got wind of the fact that I was going to get it. I can't remember how it, whether I told him or whatever, but he he'd sensed it was happening, and said, "I want in, let's do it." Um, but he's in he was stuck in Spain at that point, so he's on Mallorca and couldn't get home, and still isn't home now. He's still over there. So, Wait a minute, wanted I would have liked, preferred to be there. Yeah, I know. Well, if you're going to get stuck somewhere in COVID, yeah. that wasn't a bad place. So uh, he was over there. He's still there now. But he said, "Look, one in. Let's let's try and make. Let's try and run it." Did um, he move there? Nah, they went on an extended. He and his family went on an extended European holiday, and it's it's become very extended. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, so he's still there. Um, but we had the mag, and so we transferred it all over. Um, Set it all up and and off we went. Started publishing surfing out of my, out of my back spare bedroom. <laughs> How exciting! Yeah, it was cool. It's but yeah. So hold on, it, it was being published out of your back spare bedroom, and it, is it still or not? Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, yep, still in the same. Yeah, with all the dirty laundry and great. Yeah, <laughs> the magic factory. It's so a, I was seeing a cartoon image almost. Like, oh mate, you don't want to say it's not. It's not very romantic. It's. It's a desk in a corner with about twenty hard drives, um, a bookcase with some bits and pieces, some boxes with mags, and then there's a ton of shit, just boards, dirty laundry. It's like it's spare. It's like the spare bedroom anywhere, mate. It's just a junk room. And so, so do you outsource uh, like sto- like job stories? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, we commission a fair bunch of stuff. Got a got a great 
kind of circle of contributors because everyone was pretty stoked that we took it on yeah. and we were keeping it alive. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of there's a lot of goodwill attached to the fact we were doing it, and, and so it brought together a lot of a lot of people who wanted to write. But we rejigged the model too in the surf mags that, to a a big degree have been the masters of their own demise. You know, the, obviously with digital coming in, it it really the surf mag kind of thing was withering for a decade. And but what happened? All these mags that were part of publishing houses were at the whim of publishers who would who would just as soon as you started losing money, they would just pull budgets. You know, pull printing budget, pull yeah, contributor yeah. budget, to the point where it, it got they're basically paying pennies to for people to write. And so the quality's you, going down. Quality's going down because you you're gonna have to just take whatever you can get and and so we we basically said, well let's not take a wage ourselves, not take any money out of ourselves. Let's put that back into the contributor base and pay contributors. So we basically doubled the budget from what it was, the contributor budget, um, and paid people, you know, it's still not a what it was in the in the two thousands at the heyday of surf mags, but it was it's pretty good. It's worth it's it, it values people's time to to sit down and do something quality, you know, create something that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's got some some kind of depth and and some kind of resonance and rather than just being a cheap and nasty turnaround. Um, I don't think I have a subscription, but I think I got one for my brother for his birthday. Yeah, I want to get one though. I will get yeah. one. Yeah, so it's, look, we got we got design mates in Melbourne. Um, who done? We worked on book projects because we published books uh, before that um, in my other garage, and so these guys, these and these guys are print specialists, and so they designed our books. So is that who you did, um, uh, Boy Troy? Yes, they did the the Peter Troy book. They did Captain Good Vibes book. They did a few books that we did. Uh, Michael um, Peterson. MP- uh, no, that went through a major publisher. Okay. So. Um, so these these guys came on and they're, so they're designing it now. Um, so they're really, you know, we don't really have employees as such. Um, they're contractors, so they just they design it, and um, and that's it. Like I do all the, I do all the ad sales, all the accounts, all the editorial, all the, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> all the everything, all the social media, and uh, it's quite exhausting to be honest. <laughs> it's a lot of work. But at the end of the day, you know, we've kept it alive and and it's now, well, a few weeks after we've bought it because we were the second oldest surf mag in the world and the week after we bought it, surfer mag in America folded so we became the oldest and so there was even more pressure to to keep it going. So um, from your beginnings of starting as a, you know, like throwing away being a doctor yes. to on a whim taking a job and moving down to Sydney, you've now owned the oldest. Yes. That's a pretty huge thing. It sounds good in theory, John, <laughs> until you see the until you see the um, the profit and loss statement and yeah. it's not actually worth a lot, the mag, but it's worth culturally it's worth a lot is what uh, is how we look at it. Yeah. And and so that's why we're 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 sticking with it and making you know it's actually the problem the only problem with it now it's going too well so in that it's the potential for it to to grow and become you know what to really take off um is there 
Um, but you got to, you know, you need hours in the day to to do that. So it's going somewhere. I can't tell you where it's going. Well, who knows? We're just um, in today. But, That's it's, okay. but it's yeah. here today. Yep. Which is, a, is an issue printing right now um, that we'll get back in a couple of days. Um, we print in Melbourne, so we want to print locally and support, you know, local business. Um, so we've got, there's another one out and... And off we go. Yeah. So will that be in uh, the the news agency? Yep. Yeah, talking news agents stocks it. Um, they stock tons actually. They, that's one of the biggest uh, um, selling in terms for us anyway. News agents for surf mags in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Funnily enough. So I'm going to get it. I'm going to. I love having magazines around. I, you know, you flip yeah, through them, but, and then they become like I don't know something. <laughs> yeah, well, they're good. They're kind of you know stand up in the toilet. We, well, we kind of said the. When we took it over, we'll do the opposite of, of what the, everything on the internet is, you know. So we find these kind of rare little stories and, and we go along with them. And, like, we published, you know, Derek Hine did a 20,000-word Shane Herring story in there. Like, it's all stuff you'd never do online. It's just... But but because you own our own mag... When and, did that one drop? Is that uh, a while Last ago? year at some point. It was like a big oral history where he spoke to all these people in Shane Herring's life, um, all the key people, including Shane too, obviously. Because there was a couple um, of clips getting around with Derek and Shane. Yep, that's, yep. So he's Sh- been... Shane was drinking a long neck, I think. Yeah, Shane, yeah Shane was, <laughs> Shane's been drinking a few long necks, um, which kind of led him up to a point last year. He got sober for a while. Um, but it, it's his story, obviously, is the classic, you know, um, he was number one surfer. In the, he was our Kelly Slater. Yeah, you know, um, for six months. Yeah, it was insight. Yeah, for six months in 1992, and then the wheels fell off pretty spectacularly and crashed and burned. And um, and yeah, he's been around the yard a few times since then. And um, but still, yeah, still, still around, still, still pretty sharp. Um, and when you you chat to him about all this, got got great recall. Um, yeah, funny guy. Just got back in the water occasionally, not as much. Um, but yeah, he was a bit of a you know a victim of the early nineties, and, and he wasn't alone. Was, he was, was not a, alone. No, there was a few of them. Yeah, yeah, far out. Wow, what a ride, man! That's unreal. Mm. Um, changing gears, Rio Tinto. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> that oh, is yes. a big gear change. <laughs> yeah, bang, yeah, bang, take that straight into it. Yeah, who believe that after all the shit that went down after they blew up Duke and Cork so they could go and do it again. You know, obviously this one's not as egregious. Um, but, geez, wouldn't you just think that you, you know, that you, you would just move everything, you'd work out where all this stuff was and just stay away from it. And what do you? Th- what is going on with the whole mining sector? Do you think? Is where's the future with it? Like you look at it, like how many, how much natural? How, what I've, I've never mm. been out there, so I don't understand the scope. Yeah, what we've got in the ground. Yep. What other countries? What we're looking for? How long can it go on yeah. for? Good question. You know, like mm. well, we're just you know, I like to describe Australia as a first world quarry. Um, <laughs> Which is kind of what we are, really, you know, because we do, we we dig all this stuff up out of the ground, but we don't really value add to any of it. We just ship it off, and all the value add happens everywhere else. And it's like it's a fucking disaster in terms of how it's been managed over a long period of time, you know. Um, in terms of that, you've got all this mineral wealth in this country, and it it just it booms 
for a while and all the profits go to to you know essentially foreign shareholders of all these companies even you know, Rio Tinto is a you know it's a foreign company it's I think it's 80 or 90 percent foreign owned um, and so yeah and you've got to make distinctions here too between you know mineral stuff like iron ore and 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 all of that and all the you know because basically WA the, the northwest of WA that's that's a huge, yeah, just a gigantic mineral deposit. Is that what they call the Pilbara? Yeah, it's all in the in the Pilbara there, and um, so that's obviously there. But there's distinction there with that stuff, and then there's the fossil fuel stuff, which is another, you know, which is the other big arm, which is coal and gas, and you know, to a lesser degree, oil. Um, so, and that's that's even worse for because obviously, from an environmental point of view, you know, you've got the the localized scarring of the land, but then you burn the stuff as well, and so it just goes straight up in the air, and and it's causing all the dramas that you know where we are, where we're at right now. Question, so, right? Just a little one. This is in in the zone though. Like if we, they say that oil, right, is dead dinosaurs. Yep. And how long have we been driving around on dead dinosaurs? Yeah, a long time, 100 years. How many yep. fucking dead dinosaurs is Might there? Might a few of them. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a few of them lying around. Um, but but when are we going to run out of dead dinosaurs? Dead dinosaurs, I don't know. Well, they're looking pretty hard to find find the rest of them, wherever they are, you know. Um, but it's, it's I know, well, they've said, you know, I think they've been through peak oil. They've reached peak oil, whatever that is, apparently. I was freaking out about that in the 80s. Yeah, as I know. A kid. We, we had a bunch of, we're going to run out of oil, and, but they seem to just They'd keep go, finding don't worry, more. They've got enough in reserve. Yeah, don't worry. The, the Saudis just pull the, pull the lever back one and slow it up and rise the price and and then miraculously just find some more later. Um, so but, with prices right now, sorry, uh, $20.30, yep. $2.30. Yep. And someone was saying to me recently that it's actually the cheapest it's been at the barrel. Yeah. Uh, I haven't really kept an eye on fuel prices a lot because we haven't been going anywhere. I've only been driving a winky yeah, <laughs> all winter. Yeah. Um, but obviously the Ukraine war, like, fucking shifted everything because it's, you know, because um, obviously Russia's a huge, particularly gas supplier. And so they, and so suddenly with Russia, Kind of out of the game, effectively. Gas prices, in particular, went through the roof. They're a big oil supplier to Russia, um, so and and so I put the 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 gas the oil the gas price, particularly here in Australia, because Australia is the the biggest the biggest exporter of gas in the world. It goes back and forwards between us and Qatar, and Russia's a third, I think. And so, but all of that gas started going. Well, because most of it's three quarters of it goes to export, so we produce shit tons of it. Um, we don't use a lot of it. Um, natural gas here in Australia, well, fucking natural gas. It's like fossil fuel gas. And so when the Russians, when the Russians invaded Ukraine and all that shit happened, it was a huge for Australia. All the exporters went, "Thanks very much. We'll just we'll flog all of this stuff to the world for record prices. The profits just went through the roof, just eye watering sums of money." And of course. What happened back here in Australia is that the domestic market just got got fucking screwed as a result because um, every available barrel of it, a lot of it's under contract, but everything was going internationally. And if you wanted gas here in Australia, you had to pay the same price for for what essentially is our gas. It belongs to the Australian people. 
you had to pay the same price as the rest of the world was paying for it, which was an astronomical figure at that point. So, and obviously, and and coal was the same, and so, and so, and so, suddenly you looked at your electricity bill and you and your gas bill, and they were like five times what what they normally were. My my last electricity bill just paid. It was the biggest one I've ever had. Yep, and that's down. all. And that's all the hangover. They've, it's obviously corrected a little bit since then, but it was just radical. And it just shows you how fucked up the whole, the whole, you know, the 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 coal exporters, the gas exporters, they basically run the system here, and and they they'll just run it to the to maximise the profits, whatever it is. And they don't give a fuck about the national interest in Australia, and you know the fact that all those those assets belong to Australians. Yeah, that's right. You know, and and the government is just too stupid uh, as a whole, and has been collectively too stupid over a long period of time. To manage it properly. Well, this has know? been a weird thing that I've thought, like, for a while. Like, these natural resources, they live in the earth and they belong to earth. We're all citizens of earth. Yet someone goes and gets it and then sells it back to us when it wasn't really theirs in the first place. No. No. That's <clears throat> It belongs to the country, and but you get private, you know, mining companies and, and fossil fuel companies and... And then the system, they gain the system, get in there, get the get the permits, and and off they go. And then they work on, you know, obviously there's royalties involved, and and obviously company tax and all of that. But if you actually look in, you know, that to be fair, the is a broader thing. The mint, like the iron ore site and all of that, they actually pay pretty good, pay pretty fair tax. You know, so this is they take the iron ore and they make. Steel, is yeah, that it goes, yeah. Well, it gets shipped as iron ore, so it doesn't get. We don't. We don't really make anything in Australia with it, and we just put it in a, on a boat and send it to China, basically. What's um, iron ore look like? Uh, red. It's like, you know, it's the colour of Western Australia, basically. Yeah, right. it's red dust. It's yeah, just yep, yeah, red red dust. They blow <laughs> it up, and and it's it's like rust. It's rust colour. Really? You know? Well, that's yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's the the you know um, that's the colour of it. And so it, you know, we couldn't be making. We used to make steel here in Australia. We used to, you know, well, Newcastle, New, Newcastle, yeah, steel, Newcastle, and, and Wollongong, and um, you just make quite a lot of steel. But that's all gone now, and so we just sell the iron ore. But the, but like, but as much as I'd love to give shit to to the Gina Reinhardts and all of that, and it's you know, and it and it is a joke that that, that you get those old mineral oligarchies and they just run them and. Um, but they do the they do pay tax, so you know. But on the other side of it, the the coal and coal and gas are just it's just highway robbery. Gas in particular. How come? Uh, because it's been set up that way, and and the the governments successive governments have been captured by the industries to set it up where they're allowed to basically because because obviously there's a lot of investment costs in in putting a gas rig out to sea. And so and so they're allowed to obviously offset like any, you know, as a to, as any business to offset the costs of of doing business against what they earn, except this is different. This is gamed, you know, the to to look after to the point where that they they can go through, you know, 5 years pulling 30 something billion and not pay a cent of tax. And if you look at the biggest Biggest revenues against zero dollars tax paid. Most of them are gas companies. 
and they and it's just billions and billions of dollars and 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 it's just a weak it's just and they've got a petroleum resource rent tax that sits against that doesn't collect anything it's just useless and and so you and so these companies have made a fucking killing in the last since Russia invaded Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. What, are, what are the names of these companies? Oh, it's all it's all the, the usual suspects from around the world. So it's like you know Exxon, Chevron, you know Santos, Woodside. Um, so <laughs> these are like so there's big multinationals in amongst all of these. Yeah, but then then you've got you know they've got these ones that are supposedly Australian, like Woodside and Santos. The but you look at their shareholdings. They're basically foreign owned. So this yeah. is a question from I had for another thing that I was going to ask yeah, you yeah, about. Yeah. But so does Vanguard and BlackRock play into these companies? Like, is they who are they? Uh BlackRock's a just a giant investment company. I think I don't I don't know a lot about them, but they, they but they invested a lot in fossil fuels. So they're I think they're a lot of the money behind a lot of they'll invest in fossil fuel projects. I don't know what their portfolio would just be mind boggling in terms of where their money goes. Um, I feel like their name came up in something I watched ages ago about profiting from the Iraq invasion. Oh yeah, mate. They'd have they'd have tentacles everywhere. They they're huge. Um, and that that's another. I know a lot about what happens here. I don't profess to know a lot about BlackRock, but I know basically they are just the big enormous pot of money, and a lot of it goes to fossil fuels. Um, so yeah, so it's. Yeah, these things are just all these projects. They're just so fight it's billions for the bite. and billions of dollars, just you know, getting thrown around everywhere to to make these things happen. So fight for the bite is essentially fighting the same. That was that was Equinor. Yep. So that was another foreign. Um, so that they were interesting in that they're a state owned. They're essentially a state owned company by the the Norwegian people own them, and which is which is yeah. At one point they were going to nationalise. In the seventies, they were looking at nationalising a lot of all new, new, uh, Norwegian people, or just a, like a, a wealthy few. Well, the government owns, or they've, they've privatised a bit of it, but it's essentially, I think, it's two thirds uh, state owned. Um, the controlling interest is state owned. So, so that what's what they've done is they because Norway's a huge, huge oil and gas um, country, and so they've. But what they've done is all of that money. And this is how stupid Australia looks in contrast. All of that money that, that Norway have have reaped through through gas and all those fossil fuel expansions and whatever, they've put it into a fund for um, like a sovereign wealth fund for and I think it's about the current total, it's about one point five trillion dollars. And it works out to be about three hundred thousand dollars for every Norwegian. And and so that money is sitting there, you know? So the government kept was smart and kept it. So what do Australia do? Australia just just whistles to all the foreign multinationals. Come on down, boys. Go and just knock yourselves out. Go and you know grab a bit over here, a bit over here. Yeah. You know you can put, dig down here. Go put your snout in the trough. Come go, on. Go and drill some holes in the ocean out here. Just go for it. And and what have we got? You know we're we're about the same amount of money backwards. You know we're a trillion dollars in debt. As opposed to where the Norwegian position is, which is they're just yeah, because they, they they kept it all and they should. They, the Australian government needs to read the richest man in Babylon. Yeah, yeah. Have you read that book? No, I haven't. I've I've read, heard of it. It's well, it's just simply that you save one dollar in ten, and then mm. you, and you never spend it. 
Yep. But you just keep tipping it in and yep. putting it into things that will make money back. Yep. Yep. So we, it has been, yeah, it's chronically mismanaged and all this mineral wealth we've had and, you know, is has just been a um, – has gone to private, you know, it's gone to Gina and Twiggy's got a bit and, and all the foreign multinationals and their shareholders who are mostly foreigners have got it all and it's all sailed away and it's gone. So while we're in this zone, uh, where did I have it written? TSG. Yep. They're 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 a part of this equation. They are, and yes. they want to do seismic blasting to make three yep. D maps of the ocean floor. Is this correct? Correct. That is correct. Just straight off here. Yep. And that like, when does it stop? <laughs> well, good. That, that's. <laughs> The $64 trillion question is... Because <laughs> it's whack-a-mole, right? Yeah, it's like, mate, it's... They will keep... Well, what what happened is is you felt there was a lot of public pressure starting to question a lot of, you know, particularly with, with, with climate being as prominent now in people's minds and as an election issue in people's minds. It's it's like they've got... People have got to get serious about it now. and And so... You'd think the squeeze would be on the opening up of all this new stuff because there's a lot of stuff in production, and this is you know, and the common criticism is that you know whenever you're saying well you know you know fucking stop opening coal mines, stop doing this, and everyone goes well you know the, all the rusted old ones go well you know where are you, where is your coal going to come from? Where's your power going to come from? And well, there's a lot of stuff in production right now. Like we've got decades of gas, decades of coal. You know, Australia doesn't have a whole heap of oil. Um, that's another issue altogether. But but then, so you could, because you've, you've only got a certain window now to make this transition, the whole world does, or we're fucked, basically. We're already seeing, you know, the last, God, man, the last three months, the stuff you've seen around the world, the northern summer and and the, I the, mean, the Antarctic I, I ice sheet right now is yeah. currently, yeah, it is... The lowest extent it has ever been for midwinter on records by a factor of it's like it when they measured it, it's actually like six standard deviations away from from what it could be. Like it's like a if it was happening naturally, they said it's like a five billion to one chance that it it's happening naturally. But can I say this? If the We've started a rotation cycle, whatever the fuck it is, because of mm. mismanagement, because of population, because of the taking of the dinosaur blood yep. that might have been cooling the earth, who yep. fucking knows, and and acting as an insulator. I yep. don't know. But if we've started this cycle and the earth's pretty big, is us shifting our way now going to be enough to swing that cycle back? Not, not at the current rate. Well, the thing is it won't. Like even if you if you woke up tomorrow morning and all fossil fuels you banned the use of all fossil fuels so you just woke up and it was all and you yeah. couldn't use it anymore yeah. right yeah you, right? you drive your car you go to jail yeah all these things you've seen in the in the last three months like the European summer yeah. with you know record floods you know record heat waves marine heat waves yeah you know, record low ice extent in the in the north and then you've got it in the south at the same time fires all, everywhere all, all of that would still happen. Because that will still keep going because you haven't taken all the carbon that was in the air yesterday is still there this morning, even mm. though you've you only stopped putting new carbon into the into the atmosphere. So 
you've got to, yeah, even if you stopped at all, that that warp cycle is still there, you know, and it's until that you start pulling the carbon out of the air. The only mechanism we've really got to do that at the moment is trees, and we seem to be cutting a lot of them down. Um, then then you're stuck with it in the atmosphere, and it, it changes changes things, and you feel there's a lot of changes kind of going on, and that there's big changes happening in short spans of time right now, which is uh, which is concerning to say the least well what drives me crazy is people swan around with their keep cups and then but then they'll fly somewhere yeah, i know <laughs> you know yeah, it's, yeah. The, the flight thing really is a like and that's the toughest one for people to to process you know because it's well it's a way of life it's, it's a it, this, it, this is my right as a first world to, human i want to be i want to go to indo it's yeah. like like fuck man i want to go to indo every year too and you know and i've been on planes and i fly on planes not as much as I used to, but I, and I feel a lot more guilty now that I'm on them. But um, but the whole that will probably be one of the last things because there are electric planes, but you're not you're a long way from having a whole fleet of <laughs> electric planes to run the world that you can power off solar energy, and that's still a long way off. But you've got all of these other things lined up in a row that all burn carbon that you can deal with right now. That is being dealt with right now. The first and obvious one's your energy grid, and that's and that's pretty solvable. Um, you can, can solve that right now. Can you walk me through that? Yeah. Well, at the moment, if we, we just let's just take the Australian case right now. We uh, most of the grid. There's five. They call it the national energy market. It's the five eastern states: so South Australia, Tasmania, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland. They're all linked. Um, 60% of our electricity comes from combined with those five states is, is coal. Mm. Um, 60%? Yep. Yeah. Uh, 30, the, the big change, though, and you're in it, this, is, this is why you've got all these arguments around energy policy right now, um, is because what's happening is that those coal, fire, coal is on the way out because coal's still pretty expensive. Um, it was doubly expensive when you had to, pay global prices during the war during the, the ukraine war but it's but it's old techno- technology and a lot of these big power stations are all on the way out because they're past their useful life mm-hmm. it's happening here in victoria um they burn brown coal which is even worse here in victoria what was alcoa um, uh no it was like um the shutdown not the uh loyang uh which one did they shut it's over over the other side of morwell and they shut one of them over there. They, sh- they shut another one, Araring, in but they're all shutting because they're past their useful lives. But no investor will, because what's happening is the rest of the energy grid basically now is all renewables. So, and, and most of that is home solar. Yeah, which is the complete disruptor because it you don't have to have a company like you don't have to pay the energy company for your own power. Pretty much, you only have to pay the energy company. For what your solar doesn't give you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've got a few friends who have got off-grid houses. Yep, and they have generators as yep. backup. As backup. Yep. So that that's basically where we're at now. So renewals is getting so big, and it's cheap as well, and it's quick to get into into production. So you're seeing all of this stuff happen, like wind and and but particularly solar here in Australia, particularly home solar. Like we've got the highest take up in the world. Um, we got a fuckload of sun. Like why wouldn't you? And every like. 
you know that you speak to people who've got them, it's the best thing because you're basically energy independent. You know, you're not you're not relying on. But what what's happening? That's becoming so big now that it's stopped. No one want, no one's going to invest in coal because why would you? Because it's going to it's renewables are growing by about three or four percent of the the market every year, and so it's squeezing all of the rest out. So it's going to if you invested in coal now, it'd be a stranded asset. Um, so no company wants to do it. And, and so you've just got this mad race now in Australia to get as much renewable energy into the grid to fill that capacity um, as you can. And then you get the, you know, the conservative side of politics who want to bring back nuclear, which is just the craziest fucking idea ever. Um, even depending, even if regardless of where you stand on it environmentally, it's obviously, you know, pretty dangerous stuff to to have because even if even if the nuclear power plants are safe you've got to dispose of the waste which is still well, we dangerous still don't know how to do for it 50, no you dig a big hole in the center of australia and oh, you and, could pull it in one of the mining holes well we could <laughs> well they, they they've got plants that they use those for other things which about bodies well, well <laughs> they actually use, oh, it's a long story it's too long for this but it's uh, but anyway the, the nuclear discussion even if the environmental aspect of it aside um it's fucking radically expensive and it's radically slow. If you if you woke up tomorrow and said, "Right, we're going to commission a, a new power plant," it's you won't you wouldn't see anything from it for it's generally around ten years. You know, to, they take ten years to, to build. build. We've got no nuclear capacity, no nuclear industry in this country, so you start from scratch. Oh yeah, yeah, but, and we fucking botch everything we do for the first everything. time. In it, like, but at the same time, and and it would the electricity it would produce would cost a fucking fortune. So to offset the build. To offset the build. Yeah. You know, the taxpayer, you, private interest wouldn't build it because the taxpayer would have to build it. Um, it would cost a fortune even once it got running. And and the thing is, it's 10 years too late. Well, the, then you're walking into a future of unpredictability, and that's the worry with nuclear, I foresee, is that yeah. if in a perfect society, <coughs> great. But if mm. things start going to shit, which perceivably they could, well, weather with the weather, with the people, the population, mate, wars, then they're a fucking liability. Look at F- Fukushima. Like, you know, you're not equating the earthquake to climate change, but it's a similar thing in that basically what happened, you've got a, you had a nuclear reactor on the coast yeah, that got swamped. Yeah. It got swamped by a, I mean, let's put it here. Who could ever imagine that a fucking... Like- I know. In Japan, of all places. It's... But, um... But did yeah, you watch right. that? Did you watch that? Right, I do think about that though. Like I think about the all these things you're creating. Like you know, if you did, if the world did shift, and there's real signs that it's shifting right now, the climate and what the what the implications for that are for where you live and where what society's going to look like, and you probably you know, and I try. You don't want to think this way, but you've got to think that it's quite possible that this would happen you're going to have a radical shift in in the next 50 years in terms of where you know where people are living you know what's happening with cross borders if low-lying places start you start losing a lot of those like already like they're moving jakarta right now like the, the capital of indonesia is being moved right now to borneo well, so they're building because of Water rising. Jakarta, well, Jakarta is one of the lowest, yeah, okay, lowest um, situated cities anywhere in the world. It's basically built on a swamp. It's a lot of Maldives. Yep, it's basically built on a swamp. It was on re- reclaimed swampland, 
Um, so they're they're building another jakarta in the center of borneo they're clearing fucking jungle to do it of course um so that's jungle to do it yeah right yeah and and so that so you got all you got all these low-lying Why is cities that not all the media? around like, like florida and bangladesh and like all these low-lying places that will that if if you put a meter of sea level you, you'd lose big chunks of it and then if and we, then, we, we the had a meter that here create, what would a meter here do uh, we're up a few metres up. We're probably okay for, I don't know, you'd probably be okay for 150 years here. Um, but what but, about, I mean, like along the foreshore? Like, would it come up, would we lose the surf club? Yeah, you'd probably, you'd start to lose all of that. The, the you know, water just, it'd start travelling up, you know, like Juck Creek and all those creeks would start to... Swell and, and yeah. And all that water would start finding its way in. But, because you're looking at, you know... With, it's completely foreseeable because what's you've you've had a huge depletion of the ice like the northern the arctic arctic sea ice right and you've had a, a fair bit of a depletion in antarctic sea ice but what happens with that ice that ice is already in the water so that that ice is already already displacing water so so even if it melts it doesn't change the the level it doesn't change sea levels if you know what I mean, no. like it's well, like you think the Arctic, right? Yeah. <clears throat> There's no land on the North Pole. That's just ice. Right. So and it it doesn't sit on land. It sits. It floats on the water. So Greenland's up there. But Greenland, Greenland is is Greenland is the Greenland ice sheet, like that. So when you get and you get to the Antarctic, and the Antarctic's a continent. So you've got all this sea ice around it, and the, and the sea ice holds a lot of these glaciers in place on the antarctic continent itself so but if you lose the sea ice and right now you've got the record low record low sea ice extent for this time by a factor of fucking plenty um and going into the hottest summer we're going to have for a while yeah well there that's holding a lot of a lot of that it's keeping that all that ice on the continent stable you know if you don't have that then suddenly, you know, there's a, a thing. Obviously, there's a thing called the Thwaites Glacier, which they dubbed the Doomsday Glacier. So it's on the Antarctic continent. But if it, if the sea ice moves enough and that shifts, and and that and that ice slides into the into the ocean, that's ice that wasn't supported before. That was sitting up on a continent. If that suddenly finds itself in the water, that's they say oh, I can't remember exactly how much they think that would that was seven feet or something would displace global um, water levels by, and and there's all the you just feel these big things starting to like the the currents obviously change. Um, big things, man. There's been, never been bigger cars on the road ever. <laughs> yeah, well, that's our response to it. Is get yeah, like, drive bigger fucking. I drive a reasonably drives. big car, but it's small compared to half of them. Yeah, now. well, that's. And that's the thing, man. That's where we find ourselves. It's um, so we're kind of um, at a point, and you don't want to be like Frankie. You know, you don't you don't want to sit here and just and no. just be all doomsday about this because you you really have to um, kind of keep a keep a positive mindset if if you want to keep keep 
pushing for something for for better solutions in the short term. You can't just give up on it. I know um, you can't give up on it, but like when I I, I I I fuck man, I find it really it's a tricky slice in time. I'm going to change gears again and say it's just like look at Russell Brand, right? <laughs> that's a, that's another pretty radical gear change. It's a radical, but I'm going to just going to yeah. throw it in here because uh, have you been following that at all? A little bit, yeah. Yep. Do you feel like he's been framed because he's speaking his mind too much about uh, he's pushing buttons on this global agenda yeah. and yeah. pissing off, you know, kicking the ant's nest, you might say. on. Uh, let's just say um, uh, who's locked up at the moment that for exposing the truth? Oh, Julian Assange. Julian Assange. So, so yeah. let's say he kicked the, 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 the hornet's nest of the highest order. Yeah. Yeah. Brand's just like kicking around here, mm. but he's kicking the same nest. Yeah. And... If the Me Too mm. movement happened, this is my little philosophy. Yeah. Ten when did it happen? A little while ago, yep. not even. Six, seven years. Six, yep. seven years ago. Why didn't they out him then? Mm. Yep. But now his reputation's built and he's really pissing off a lot of people. Yep. Why not find someone anonymously just to come in and just fucking knock him down a bit? Yeah. Uh one of his ex-girlfriends was on a thing this morning that I watched, and it was great. She was like, yeah, he was a fucking ragamuffin. He mm. was he was up yeah. to no good. Yep. I don't think he's that. No, I think he's a horny bastard. Yes. Um, and he's out, outwardly always says he is. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, as to whether, you know, there's, there's some kind of thing kicking along here. Like, I always thought that... There the, is a bow I, on I always, this. I always thought... I don't profess to know much about his situation. I always thought the Julian Assange thing was fucking weird. There was, I thought that was him getting set up on a charge. There seemed that seemed a bit too for, convenient. For rape? Yeah. Did you see that? That yeah. was the smear. Yeah. That, that like, seemed a bit too convenient for me. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> with, no, no, with Russell Brand, right. man, he's just. I, I could I, see him. I could see him even without a conspiracy. I could see him. Going that way and and having some skeletons in the closet. I definitely think he has skeletons in the closet, and I don't think any like any, I just don't think. Look, my my reason for bringing him up, he, his name was on the sheet of things yep. I wanted to talk to you about, but it also ties into this greater, like you, you say, you need to find some positivity in the world, and there is lots. Mm. Individually, there's lots of amazing people doing a lot of amazing things, and humans were are beautiful, right? But I just think most that the there's time. most of the time there's this corporate push, yeah, on us at the minute, and it's always yeah. it's it's been ramping, it's heightening. Mm-hmm. Yep, that I find uncontrollably like doomish. Yeah, yep. No, the, I agree. The it's... globalization. Yeah. The buying off of governments. The yep, you talk of these vanguards and 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 mm. black rocks that oversee and dark money, dark money. Yep, we don't understand it like we don't understand dark matter. Yeah, you know, there's an aspect to all this that makes us feel a little crazy. Mm. Oh, it can't be like that. Yep. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I agree. Like big things are getting bigger. That's that's what's happening, and you and that power is is wielded quietly and behind the scenes you don't see it a lot you know i've been kind of because we've obviously been campaigning with oil and with gas and stuff like we've got to look behind the curtain a little bit at some of this and how it actually works and 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 it's pretty frightening here in australia and we'd be small fish compared to you know stuff that's happening elsewhere in the world 
in terms of you know companies controlling stuff and 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 being underhanded and and I agree completely. You know, um, the thing is, I I got a fair bit of faith on democracy here in Australia. That 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 when shit goes wrong, that the people will see it. And there's still the information systems here are still true enough that people can get a true sense of of what's happening and and what the you know because gas the gas companies and the are getting called out in the press here and you can get you can you can call them out here and and you won't get arrested you know well unless unless of course you're in WA <laughs> why what's happened there oh they're they're raiding homes and the well the police actually kind of operates as an arm of the gas. The gas companies over there. Yeah, well, there was they've been raiding homes and preemptively raiding homes on on the prospect of people committing of protesters committing further crimes because there's huge thought crimes. Thought. Well, no, there was there was a a woman called Joanna Pataka was. Was it like the lady here who was arrested in Ballarat for a COVID? Maybe going to a little bit like that. Yep, in the. But she she was the one who threw the paint on the on the um, on the McCubbin painting at the in the art gallery. It's got a perspex screen over it, so the painting's fine. And she or she you know, she sprayed get out Woodside or um, who did this? The lady uh, in WA, a campaigner over there. Yeah, because they're protesting a big thing called the Borough Pub, which is a Woodside um, development up there that will would produce yeah it would produce ten percent of Australia's emissions. You know, and it hasn't it hasn't started yet. So it would. So at the time we should be pulling back gas. This is a giant export thing that they're just. So that you've got all these campaigners, but the crackdown on they've had this huge police crackdown on them, um, and so they've and they're just. It's, and who's the company behind that one? That's Woodside. And they're not Australian owned. They're, they are. They're Australian. Well, they're Australian, but they're not Australian owned. In that, I think Woodside are numbers. They're either seventy or eighty percent. Foreign owned shareholders. So it's like a, a a ship. You know, a ship that it's a flag of convenience. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, well, that's yeah, exactly. That's what that's what it is. But then you go to WA and everyone everyone goes, oh, you know, Woodside. It's an Australian company, and it's like, oh, it's, how good's it? You know, Woodside's good Aussies. You know, good on them up there. You know, doing that. And but the reality is, Woodside's owned primarily by foreign shareholders. Um, and most but of the with Australian are, boots on the ground. But with, but with Australian boots on the ground, they employ largely Australians because yeah. it's, and that's that's the reality of WA. If you took out mining, if you took out out the petroleum, we wouldn't be much left. Um, couple of good yeah, ways. Couple of good ways. You'd have a pretty good tourism industry. A few but, good pubs, and but not Perth. much. But not much else. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but but going back to my point is that is it Australia? I've got faith that that the. The media are generally pretty shit, um, but there are enough independent ones and enough truth getting out there so that you can actually understand what's really happening with these big corporate companies um, and the way they're doing business. And um, there's enough accountability there to for for democracy to function and people to vote the right people in and out. And um, it's not perfect, but but I do worry. Like I, you look at the world's biggest democracy right now, and it's a shit show. America. I'm, I'm I'm watching a show called Dope Sick at the moment. Have you yeah. heard of it? Yep. Yeah. Far out, man. Yep. Like the fact that the FDA can be bought off like that just yeah. makes me go, who else? Yep. It's the whole. Yeah, it feels like yeah. I just, I just really worry about the states. Like they've got an election coming up, and 
and it's fucking like it's going to be Trump against Biden, and it's just like, oh my, God. how is got, that? Three hundred eighty million, is it? And they're the two guys you got you got to pick from. It's it's crazy. It is literally crazy, but it feels like Americans. You know, you, you don't want to generalize, but there's that's what I was. The point was saying you can in Australia. I think you can get a pretty good gauge on what's real, at least. You know, when you're reading stuff and what's fed income and what's yeah, what's yeah, bullshit yeah. And, yeah. and what's kind of really happening. I think Americans, as a, as a, have, they've like connections been fucking severed. Yeah, their media's they're cooked. floating just fucking free in in space, <laughs> and, you, they, you and know, they're open to believing anything. You know, it's in just, apocalypse now when they're yeah. going up the river and they get to that place, it's just like manned by no one, and there's fireworks, and it's just like weird music and run by no one. Remember yeah, that bit? That's it. Yeah. Before they get to Kurtz's. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's the last post. That's the states. That's, yeah, but I like I worry about that because they, you know, it. God, if Trump gets back, gets back. If somehow he dodges all the court stuff and gets back in, which God, man, you could see it happening. You could. You could nothing would surprise me anymore. Because collectively, they've kind of departed from reality a lot over there. You see some of the, you know, it's and they're the biggest. They're supposed to be the bastions of democracy, the protectors of it, you know. And and Trump fucking tried to take democracy down, and so it doesn't. What if if he loses again? What happens? Yeah, that's right. It's, he won't. He won't give up. He won't give up, and it's he'll become a Putin. And you know, God. So we're we're kind of relatively at least we can trust most things here. You know, you got, you got to have a degree of cynicism and with a, a lot of stuff you see. But but God, when the big ones fall, that's when you kind of got to worry a bit. It's not very uplifting this conversation. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It's because it's very yeah. relevant, and it's yeah. something that I think that like I have this conversation with various people all the time, and I feel like everyone feels a little bit the same way, as far as the people that I yep. com- uh, converse with. Yep. Uh, and it's even like you know, like my parents now. They've always been like bastions of hope, and lately they've been a little bit like fuck. You know, what is going on? Joints going for dogs. Um, I want to ask you. This is a, a weird one. I don't vote. Okay. And I've never, Why not? I'm just never registered, and I because come from a background of um, I don't trust. Mm-hmm. I've never cared, okay. and I was yep. sort of always as when I was younger and I was loose. Yep. I was always like, give me someone or something worth voting for. Yeah. I will. At the moment, I couldn't give a fuck about politics, yep. and that's how I felt yep. as a, a younger enough. adult. Yeah. And now, as I've got older, mm. if I sign up now, I get yeah. fined. Yes, yeah. and I don't want to get fined, <laughs> so you have to vote now. <laughs> no, I don't. I can't because I'm not registered. Okay. But if I register now, they'll yeah, backfire yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't. Okay, that's what I've been told. Yep. And I don't really, you know, you can say I don't want to pass. You can say pass on this. Yep. But I'm really confused on this referendum. Yep. And I've been doing a lot of, uh, uh, let's say, YouTubing, reading of different yep. media's. Yep. And I can't get a fucking straight shot on it. Yep. And it's just so... And the closer it gets, the more polarizing it seems to be. And I... Like, I... I listen to some people and I go, oh, yeah, fuck that. There's too much grey there. There's mm-hmm. not enough transparency. Yep. And if I don't, I mean, I'm coming from a place of cynicism and I don't yep. trust the government mm-hmm. and they're not really telling us everyone. I don't know. Just hear me out for a sec. But if people on that side are saying they're not telling us everything, yeah, and then I go, well, and they're pushing an agenda and spending $30 million to make you want to say yes, then that my flags go up. Yep. And then I go... 
and I talk to somebody else and they go, no, 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 it's not, it's nothing like that. It's just, it's a, it's just a great thing and a, a progressive step forward yep. um, to have a voice to government. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, that's a great, that's, I, I get on board with that too. Yeah. So I'm just fucking confused. Mm. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are. That's, well, it's good. The thing is, you probably couldn't design a, like a better, a better proposal that would open the door for people to fucking fill it full of so much rubbish. I tell you how how generally Australians generally get a pretty clean line on on most things, and you get a clean read on what's happening and who's doing what and whatever. This has been a shit show because based because of the nature of what it is. It's a an advisory body um, that there are no real. It'll be twenty four Indigenous people from who Indigenous people themselves will select from around the country to to make. To, as an, that's all they are as an advisory body to make representations to government. To say we think this is a good idea. We think you should maybe be doing this, or we think you should maybe be doing that. The government can do whatever it likes. The government the, it's got no power. The the voice group has no power to to actually implement any of that they've got and they've got no budget they don't they've got no money so it's they're basically there to represent collective voices of indigenous people around the country so that's all it is it's it's not much you know but what the nature of it in the fact you can't because it doesn't exist right now all it, you, if you want to shut it down you can say that, but they could be. They could come and grab your backyard, or they could they could get rid of Australia Day, or they could go and do this, or put they want to do that, in. or they can put parking meters in and charge it, you know, or they'll they'll come for a treaty, or they'll come for reparations, or they'll come for this, they'll come for that, and you can't say yes or no because it, it doesn't exist right now, you know, and you show me the details. Well, there are no details. The whole, you've got to put the thing in, and then it just operates, you know, and. And by the nature of what it is, it's just allowed all this bullshit to just funnel into it. And so, and, so bullshit. Let me say the things that I hear because yeah, I hear like it's, the, uh, if the next time we have an emergency lockdown like COVID, it'll give the powers of the UN. To, it's crazy talk because it's it's the thing is the voice. Have you heard this stuff as well? The voice doesn't. The voice doesn't have any power. No, I know, but they're saying that in the back end of it all, it's signing over our... Oh, cons- the, the right, indigenous rights to uh, to the UN fucking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't it's, know. It's cra- Again, this is what... It's just become this huge fucking funnel for, for misinformation and rubbish. And I've been in the middle of it fucking all weekend. I just had yeah, yeah, people doing my head over it. I it's, read. Seriously, it's just crazy. It's... You want to boil it down, right? Like, Indigenous Australians lived here for 60 fucking thousand years. Just think of that. I love it, man. Just think of the, think of how long that is. That they have in been harmony. here. In harmony. In harmony. They've been Not here. with each other, of course, but no, with no. Earth. I'm sure they fought like we do, but, but they've been here for that long and they've carried, you know, that carried the stewardship of this country for that long. We've been here for 200 and and it, it's just and they've had such a shit deal since we got here, you know. What heat most of them out? They've like you know they had to live like us. They've, you know, like things went downhill quickly, and they haven't got much better. And that's 
that's the thing. You look at this country, it's phenomenally rich and like we're, you know, and and here you've got Aboriginal people dying 10 years earlier on average than white people, you know. You've got, Could the, I say... Well, you've got... You've would, got the, the, you, if you're an Aboriginal kid, you, you're going to more likely end up in jail and uni. You, I think you're 10 times more likely to commit suicide. You, you're overrepresented by a factor of fucking 10 or 20 in terms of going to jail. You've got all this stuff. It's just, man, if you... And they've been trying to trying to work on this and not governments haven't been that interested in it and it's just you know it just all they let it all just happen out in the and it's just um fuck man it's just time to get fed income and 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 i just reckon it was like that aside but man, I, it would if be i was in, if i was indigenous right mm. and i had sixty thousand years of hard wiring of yep. living like in 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 natural, in the natural laws of a real world, yeah. fuck if I were any part of this well, bullshit they're trying to sell us at the moment. Well, put, it, <laughs> you put, know? put it this way: imagine if, imagine if you took us, took white people here, and said, "Right, you guys have got to live like indigenous people did for sixty thousand years out in the bush." Off you go. Good luck. Go well, on. Have you seen alive? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> mate. We wouldn't last five minutes. No, you'd be chopping out so in that, a second. And so you're, you're expecting that all of that sixty years just to flip over and and they and they'll just you know make model be model citizens and and in in a white fellow's world and it's just but it's just fucking unfair and it's just they've tried to do it for so long and just and failed to try and make things work to help them out and 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 finally they the indigenous people themselves said look this is what we reckon is going to work. He says, right, put this group, put it into the con- in the Constitution, 24 of us will represent, because it's not an easy job representing 200-plus countries because you've got different mobs in different parts of the... So they'll do that work and go, right, we'll... And then we'll come to the government and go, well, this is what we think is the best way ahead here, you know? In This is how we're going to get our crew living a bit longer. This is how we're going to get them educated. This is we think these are the solutions because you can't have a white bureaucracy going up there and and with all the answers because they you know history will tell you that they don't have them. Now, and, why have you got your mundanes and people like that going the yeah, other way? Yeah, there's a well, there's a legitimate one legitimate view in the no camp that really that with indigenous people who want to go a step further and that's your. And that's your Lydia Thorpe's, and I don't, I haven't heard the the man's reasoning for, but there's a sovereign movement within Aboriginal Australia who want to go straight to treaty, right? And they and they go that well, the voice is is basically it's like a stepping stone because it's man, it's so modest that it's not even a really big ask where they want to go further and go well, let's get to treaty, which is which is they've got one in New Zealand, they've had it there for hundreds of years or a hundred years longer the treaty of waitangi they've got so they've and it's pretty much in all the lands where you've got indigenous people and colonizers most of them have come to an agreement you know and put a treaty on it uh, it doesn't always work out effectively well and, new zealand's always been a bit more progressive than oh, us fuck man they're just so far <laughs> ahead of us it's not funny um but crew like lydia thorpe and that they want to go they don't they don't want the voice because they want to go a step further and but man Treaties will happen with the states, and they're already happening. It's happening here in Victoria right now. Victoria's already way ahead in framing up a treaty. They've had a working group on it for years. What does a treaty look like? It's a. It would be a t- 
terms between the two groups, between the the indigenous traditional owners and the current power, an agreement that that probably acknowledges that that group, that the indigenous group were here, they had a claim on it, and and we've and whatever that treaty looks, it, you know, it doesn't, it probably wouldn't go. I don't think you'd end up in a with dollar figures and because again that's the other crazy thing with this voice is man we've had we've had native title claims for 30 years they've been around you know and suddenly you're seeing them all in the papers now and they're highlighting them all it's been going on for 30 years we've kind of settled that no one's lost their backyards you know my backyard's sweet yours so is yours no one's lost one <laughs> it's like and it's been going on for 30 years but it's fucking in the daily telegraph and it's here and here and it's gone oh check this one out look at this one it's a system that works. The, the treaty would be a system that works, you know. The voice would, you put it in, it would fucking probably, it would work. It's the best chance because it would actually allow Indigenous Australians to to make some decisions that affected them. Well, they don't even make the decisions. They just offer the recommendations. They don't may even make yeah, the yeah, decisions. Yeah. The, the government that you elect are the ones that, that will make all the decisions. So, mate, if you're this worried about the voice... Go and worry about who you're going to vote for next time. That's a fucking the actual thing to worry about. Oh, yeah. That's like that's where the power will 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 be. You know? So why this divide? Because it's uh, largely because we're going the way of America in the all that that ecosystem of crazy of misinformation and 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 p and social media just fueling this stuff and and theories coming in and we're going we're well down that road and we inherit the culture wars all america's culture wars like i'm fucking fighting people over wind energy like wind turbines right now and nuclear energy and it's like all these experts are just like and it because it's they've been fighting those for five years in america that's why and they what what do you think people are like all these people are concerned about like transsexuals it's like who fucking cares? It's like I can I can live my life perfectly fine. They can live their life and be perfectly happy as whoever they want to be. It's fine. It's like it doesn't knock my day off out of orbit at all. It's like go and do it. It's fucking sweet. It's like but all these people just it's pedophiles. It's this. It's that. It's like the world's going mad. It's literally going mad. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 And and people are losing that that sense of. And they've completely lost this voice thing, man. It's just open because it because it opens up race as well. It opens up a lot of old, you know. Well, the the cupboard opens, and a lot of this stuff comes out. And you know, you can't. Had people, I was criticising the marches on the weekend, and with, you got neo Nazis on the streets of Melbourne, and all these other people who are voting no, going, "Are you calling me a racist?" I go, oh, "Fuck, man, I'm not calling. I'm calling them a racist. They're neo Nazis by definition. They're fucking racist." Said, I don't even know you. How do I know even what you are? So I'm not fucking labeling you anything. But it's, but that, and it just raises the temperature. Oh, yeah, the temperature's hot. Yeah. Temperature's hot. And it's, but it, at the end of the day, mate, I just feel for the, like, because my partner's indigenous, right? And my, so my kid's indigenous. And, and so I'm obviously, I feel fairly strongly about it. And, and she works in, um, works in Aboriginal child protection. So she 
She has to the get in the middle. She has to get in the trenches with a lot of this stuff. So there's a lot of really heavy shit. And and you and I so I and I get to I yeah hear yeah, it. And yeah, it's just yeah. like and you just go fuck, man. It's so in a, this society, like that problem should be solved. Like we should be able to help. But they have to scrounge around and they've got no resources and it's under resourced and they they've got to do the best they can to help these kids out and and it's. Tr- just tricky territory, but but I'd guarantee you it would be run better if it was if they actually got to run it, because at the moment it's you know it's semi independent, but it 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 isn't resourced enough, and the, and but there are a particular set of problems that that they they would be the best people to to deal with them. So it is wild, like um, you say it's getting hot and you're like, yeah, I've been watching the usual. You've got that RV guy, uh, you know, yeah, he's yep. like, you know, and you would, I would have thought that he would have been someone that might have been on the other side of where his opinion lies. Yeah. Uh, which is so, it's just confusing yeah. sometimes. And then when you say like, you know, there's so many, like I look at, have you heard of Agenda 2030? Yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you yeah. heard of that one? Yeah. Mate, there's fucking dozens of these things. It's fucking... <laughs> It's literally, and it's just. What is Agenda Twenty Thirty? Is it the the, the globalization a, we all won? This this is the yeah this is the global takeover. You know, is this is this the the World Economic Forum Davos one? Perfect. It's like fuck, Could, man. Yeah. It's like I think that they're, they all just blend into each other for me because it it's just it's just crazy. It, but there is a couple of things that make me worry when mm. I hear that they want to take cash out of the economy. Yeah. Yep. And I go, well, I don't want that. Yep. I'm no, like, oh. I did. totally. It's that I do. There's things that are insane that I think there's, you know, a lot of stuff's bullshit, but there's things that are happening too that I do worry. Like cash disappearing. They want to get rid of that because they want to control it, centralise it all. Um, you know, it does also help solve a lot of crime because if you don't have cash around, it, it really limits you as a criminal. Um, well, no, they just jump into Bitcoin. Well, unless you're a cyber criminal, yeah. But, yeah. But it's all, you know, it's really people are twisting themselves in knots over a lot of stuff. And Do you think it's like a, a, it's heightened because of the hangover of, like, locked up for two years, oh, COVID? 100%, like... 100% mate, it's where most of it comes from. You know, people are left to their own devices and in their own heads and it was just, at that point, it was just funneled in and it went. And I think a lot of people that, that kind of went down that route during COVID and haven't really come back out, you know. Like, that's why I had people on... I put the the voice protest thing on my side. This first comment was, you know, like, enjoy your sixth booster shot. It's like, fuck. Okay. No, well, I saw it. It's, yeah, like, I saw it's just like, <laughs> okay. what's that? Uh, yeah. well, I'm pretty sure they're not advising on booster shots, the voice. But anyway, um, but, yeah, it's... And I'd, I'd like to say... You know, you'd get better, but it just feels like this has just been a perfect forum for for some of this stuff to to just perpetuate. And it's and it's kind of crazy because at the end of the day, it's you know the First Nations crew are going to miss this chance. This ain't going to come back. Fuck man, it's going to get smashed. At the 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 polls are saying it's going to get smashed. It won't come back for thirty years, whoever, however now, long. You know, if you explain it like you just explained it, then yeah. to me it's like a, a no brainer. Right. Yeah. But then, um, 
you know, like when I'm left to my own devices and I go and look and I listen to too many opinions, I go, yeah. oh, God, I'm freaking out, man. Change is fucking yeah. scary. But, like, man, they could do this, they could do that, they could do that, they could fucking... They've got a government in between. If you're that worried about the voice, go and fucking do some real kind of vetting of who you're going to vote for next time because that's where the they'll be the ones saying yes or no to to whatever the voice says. The voice has no power has no power to legislate. It has no money. It's like mm. yeah, but all all they've got is they've got the representation of of indigenous people from around the country. So it's an authentic, you know, it's an authentic voice. It's not white fellas speaking up for black fellas. It's 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 them coming to the table with solutions to to things that are very clearly fucking problems right now because it's, you know, that a, a lot of them aren't doing well and and the, all the numbers aren't improving and and you and mate and the, all this shit aside, fuck man, wouldn't if I'm in a country here and, and my crew have been here for two hundred years, and I and there's a crew here that've been for sixty thousand. It's the oldest surviving culture. It's like an attachment, a deep attachment in deep time to. To this land, why wouldn't me as a white Australian want to somehow embrace that a bit and feel like that that I can even as a white fella I can help keep that connection going? You know, it's something to be fucking proud of that we've still got that that they're, there, they're hanging on by the you know a lot of them hanging on by their fingernails because it's living in white society is not fucking easy, um, but it, it'd make us you know you get to. Australia Day and that, and you go, well, what does it mean to be Australian? You go, oh, mate, it's fucking great. It's like fucking, it's footy, it's Barbies, it's fuck, we're mates. It's gone, fuck, mate, everywhere in the world has that shit. Like, everyone's got a fucking barbecue. Everyone's got fucking mates, you know. Everyone plays fucking football. What makes us fucking unique? It's like, fuck, man, we've got these guys here that have been for 60 fucking thousand years and and have, have the deepest connection to any land on this in on this earth. You know, and they're here, and they're walking down the street, and they're and they're fucking cool. And they want to share some of it, and they're open to, to sharing a bit of that. And uh, I think it'd help Australia with a lot of a lot of our hang-ups, mate. Like like you said, Jono, like New Zealand do it fucking pretty well. You know, the the Maori culture and and the Kia culture kind of come together, and it's it's way more civil, and and they you know the. Pakia like know a lot about Maori culture and how it worked and what's significant and what's not and and it knits together quite you know quite well not perfect but it, it's a pretty good model and like fuck man if we got we got halfway to that I think we'd all feel better about ourselves yeah is it it's fear we're scared I don't know what yeah. it is you know like it's just I don't understand I don't quite understand you know why we're so scared of change yeah yeah this is a modest this would be a modest change anyway it's like really but it's it's you know it's been blown out to what it is and it's not going to get up sadly i think that's the reality of do you really feel like that no that's where the numbers are at right now yep it's so you know you just get back and you wake up the next morning and you'll we'll just be the same old problems and you know the same old solutions that don't work so Sean, mm. thanks for coming over. Always a pleasure, John Oak. Good. Look, I, no, I honestly, I, mean I don't it. know if I killed the mood, mate. But it's no, like, honestly, it's... I, you've left me feeling clearer in my mind mm. about a few things, 
a, few, a bit better about a few things and that maybe some of my thinking is on point with a few things. Yeah. You know, like, it's a fucking weird time mate, to be alive. Oh, totally, mate. I, like, I like to think of myself as pretty clear-headed, but I've got fucking doubts all the time about whether things I'm talking about are right. And But I just try and, you know, try and sort through, try and ha- establish a good filter. And, and they say, like, they... I hear these conversations about what skills do you you need to kids need to have growing up now, you know, and one of them is like a is being able to read analytically and to read the news analytically and read, you know, current affairs and interpret current affairs analytically because it's there's a lot of stuff out there that's that's deliberately wrong and it's wrong for a reason. Well, someone's paid to have it there. Someone's paid to have it there, you know, and it's. The fossil fuel crew were the were the original masters of that. They, they, you know, they created climate skepticism, and so it's, and so now anyone with an agenda can can kind of make this stuff up, and and people can perpetuate it, and and it and it gets like, I don't blame people for 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 chasing some of it because it looks real, and but it's that's if you go, well, what's how are you going to protect against and, and actually have because if you don't have a shared truth, you know. If you don't have, if you and I see the same, if you would go over there and go, my hat's sitting on the on the bench, you know, and you go, no, it's not. It's resting. It's, <laughs> but, sit, but if we can't agree on that, like the thing yeah. is, you have to have a, an agreed on reality. But if you can't have that, you can you can argue within that, you know. Yeah, well, we do that great. Yeah, we, don't we? We're good. We're good at that, and yeah. that's that's all healthy, and that's all great. But if you don't actually have, if you can't agree on the facts. That's then you you've got problems, and so and that that's a bit of where we're at right now. But well, if you just look at dope sick, and then you just go, well, yeah. fuck. Well, it's totally. It, but anyway, mate, we'll um we'll see how we go. I've got so many more questions, but there'll be <laughs> well, another. There'll be, no, there'll be a three. Yeah, we can do part three. Yeah, we'll yeah. just give it a bit more time, and no doubt we'll have a few more interesting <laughs> things to talk about. Yeah, well, hopefully it's a bit more uplifting the conversation next time. Yeah, well, maybe not. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Good on you, mate. Okay, there you have it. There you have it. There was my chat with none other than Sean Doherty. Sean, thank you so much for coming over and having a yak with me about some, you know, some tough topics. Some really, like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, It's just like we crossed a lot of boundaries, I know, and um, I don't have the answers and I don't know the answers. I really don't. I don't. And uh, But I do know that, um, look, there are amazing people in the world doing amazing things. I just feel that there is an umbrella of of, of darkness behind some certain um, multinational corporations that, um, you know, like we all know. They're shadowy fucks, right? There just is. It's not, a, it's not a perfect world. So love your family. Love the people. Love the ones you're with. Um, enjoy the day. You know, these are the things that you can control, right? You can control who you spend your time with, what you spend your time doing, and 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 how you react to the world. You know, we don't always get it right. I certainly don't. Sometimes I react in a way that I fucking wish I didn't. And sometimes I react in a way that I go, I got it that time. I did. I did. You know? But fuck it. You know, I don't know. I don't know. And that's how I'm going to leave you. I'm going to love and leave you. 
Anyway, look, whoever you are out there in the wide world, thanks so much for tuning in. Sean, thanks for coming over. And until next time, take it easy. All right. Adios.